During Elizabeth's sixth month of pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin. She was engaged to marry a man named Joseph from the family of David. Her name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Greetings, the Lord has blessed you and is with you. But Mary was very startled by what the angel said and wondered what this greeting might mean. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. God has shown you his grace. Listen, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of King David, his ancestor. He will rule over the people of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. God can do anything. Good evening. Good to see you all, and Merry Christmas. Great to, great to see you tonight, and welcome to all of you online as well that are joining us. Merry Christmas to you, and God's grace and goodness to you as well. Uh, hey, it's fun to be with you on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is always uh, just one of those nights that uh, there's just a lot of joy in it. Um, Thinking about Christmas, just memories uh, from growing up, so many good things. And as Pastor Dave mentioned, rather than uh, meeting in person tomorrow morning, uh, there's going to be a video devotional online, and you can find it in a number of different places, on our website, on YouTube, on Vimeo, or you can just text Christmas to, uh, to that number you see in your bulletin or scan that QR code, and uh, it'll send you a, you'll get a link just sent directly to your phone tomorrow morning of that, and you can watch that at your convenience and celebrate Christmas tomorrow. So I hope you enjoy tomorrow and having time with your friends or with your family and uh, all that it entails. But, you know, it is Christmas, of course, when uh, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. So let's look at the account from Matthew and his gospel uh, of Jesus' birth, and let's read about it together. If you got your Bible, you can open up with me to the gospel of Matthew, and we're going to look at verse 18 is where we're going to start this afternoon. Uh, We read this. Now, uh, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Matthew's about to sum up uh, what, in in a few verses, what Luke took two chapters to write about. You know, if you've been with us this Advent season, we've been going through the, the Christmas from the perspective of Mary in the gospel of Luke. And uh, we've taken the last few weeks to do that. And uh, as we get going today, we're actually gonna take a little bit of a shift. We're still gonna look at Mary, but we're gonna kind of see some things from Joseph's side of the coin this afternoon. And one of the things, before we even get going, I want you to see, one of the things that I love about God's word is it doesn't sugarcoat anything. It's very, very real in its account of life and in its account of struggle and of uh, frustration and joy and heartache. And it's very, very real and true to life. And because of that, Christmas then is a good reminder for us that uh, of just God's love and his grace and his goodness to us, no matter what we're facing. Christmas reminds us that no matter what you and I are facing, God's love and his grace is still tangible. And the account that we read of in Matthew of Christmas shows us that even in the midst of of all kinds of craziness, uh, 
God's grace and his love and himself are good. You know, the truth is life can throw a lot at us, can it? Has life thrown a lot at you? If you've been alive for more than a couple weeks, I bet it has. I mean, think about it. It can throw heartache at you. It can throw loneliness at you. It can throw financial struggle, health issues, loss, death. The list just keeps going on. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like, while I mentioned earlier that I love Christmas and the holidays are great, there's a certain aspect where sometimes, for whatever reason, the holidays all those struggles more and more amplified in my heart and in my soul and in my mind. I mean, it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? Except when it's not. Then, uh, then it's not. But uh, do you ever have that struggle or is that just me? Do you have that? Or sometimes uh, the holidays can, can stir some things up where you kind of love it but get frustrated at the same time. Well, Christmas reminds us and God's word reminds us that no matter what we're facing, God's good and he's with us. So let's keep reading and, uh, and see what Matthew and Mary are facing here. Matthew and Mary, Luke, or Joseph and Mary. Matthew's the guy writing. Matthew writes this, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, talking about Jesus' mother Mary, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Let's unpack this a little bit at a time. Uh, Mary has been betrothed to Joseph. Uh, we've been talking about this for the last couple weeks, but maybe this is new to you and you're like, what? Betrothed? What is that? Well, uh, it's a word we really don't use anymore. Some translations will say uh, pledged to be married. Others will say engaged. And it's similar to that. But betrothal is, it's unique. It's, it's more than being engaged. It's less than being fully married. And Mary and Joseph were betrothed. It was more than engagement, less than marriage, because more than engagement, because to break it off required a divorce, a legal divorce. But it was less than marriage because they hadn't yet consummated their marriage. They weren't living together yet. Uh, for all intents and purposes, you know, they were married, but they just hadn't consummated their marriage yet. They hadn't slept together. They weren't living with each other. It's kind of curious as you read this because our culture says to do it the other way around. You know, move in together, sleep together, then get married. But God's word is, is very much the opposite. Uh, to, to trust one another, to get married, to move in together, and then consummate your marriage. And it was before they had come together, speaking of them consummating their marriage. And Mary was found to be with a child. Turned out she was pregnant. So let's think about this from a few perspectives and some of the things that Mary and Joseph were facing. I mean, they're in a small community, they're engaged, uh, but not yet married. Mary's a teenager, did you know that? Anywhere from 12 to 17 years old, and now she's pregnant. That sounds like a scandal, doesn't it? In a small town like Nazareth? Mary's parents, how about them? I bet they were kind of disappointed, maybe a little embarrassed. Maybe her dad, I bet, had some thoughts about Joseph when he found out she was pregnant. And then what about Joseph? Well, let's, let's turn our, our sights to his perspective a bit. Uh, let's keep reading here in verse 19. Her husband, Joseph, notice again, more than engagement, uh, Matthew's already calling, her, calling Joseph her husband. Being a just man, this means he's, he's righteous. He's, he's a good man. And he was unwilling to put her to shame. 
he resolved to divorce her quietly. He resolved to divorce her quietly. I wonder, what what was going on in Joseph's heart? What what was he thinking? What was he facing in this moment, that first Christmas? You know, I bet uh, he felt some betrayal. I bet he felt some anger, maybe some deep hurt and sadness, probably some shock, maybe confusion, Uh, maybe felt a little bit foolish. Like, how did I not know about this? How did I miss this? Maybe a desire for revenge. I mean, would you blame him? He might've wanted that, but what we see of him, he's, he doesn't, he's a just man. He's a good man. He's a gracious man, kind and noble and godly. You know, uh, I bet there might've been a moment where Joseph lost it just a little bit, do you think? When he first heard the news, he wasn't perfect, even though he was good. But he might've freaked out a little bit and, and lost it, but we're not told about it. I mean, surely he probably had friends and family in his ear uh, with less than pleasant things to say about Mary, this girl that he loved and had planned to marry. I mean, what were they telling him? I I bet some wanted him to get vengeance on her. Some uh, encouraged him maybe to embarrass her publicly. Make a big deal about it, Joseph. Just make her feel it, you know? Uh, Confront her, go after her, and post it on Facebook so everybody else can see it too. Good thing they didn't have social media, isn't it? Uh, and, and Joseph, though, he was much cooler headed, it appears, about all of this. Because we read he was unwilling to put her to shame. Man, that's a gracious, godly man, isn't it? He really loved Mary, is what that tells me. He, he didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want her to put her to shame. I mean, according to the law, if Mary had cheated on him, which is the way it kind of appeared to everybody in the moment, until even Joseph in that moment. I mean, the reality is she could have been stoned to death. She could have been, but Joseph was, was unwilling to do that. His actions proved how much he loved her. And uh, he was unwilling to put her to shame. And then look what he does, he resolved. He made up his mind to simply divorce her quietly. Now, this doesn't mean he wasn't hurt. This doesn't mean he wasn't angry. I bet in many ways he was. He was surely hurt. Uh, But he just wasn't gonna take things into his own hands. He was gonna trust God. And being just includes him being compassionate and merciful toward Mary. Proverbs often talks about the wisdom of keeping a thing quiet as not to shame someone. Joseph lived that out. Um, And he was facing a lot, would you agree? I mean, uh, we started off here saying Christmas reminds us that no matter what we're facing, Joseph was facing a lot. I wonder, what are you facing? How about you? What are you facing this Christmas, this season, this year? How's 2022 been to you? Uh, It might be a heartache very similar to Joseph's. It might be a financial stress. It might be... Uh, It's the holidays. It might be some dysfunctional family dynamics, right? It might be a health crisis. What what are you facing? What do you got going on in your life right now? Could be a pretty big thing. I I would guess if we went around the room, we'd have a lot of stories to share with one another. But let's take our eyes off ourselves for a minute. And let's turn our eyes, because it's Christmas Eve, to God, to almighty God. 
Because no matter what you're facing, Almighty God is there. He's, he's, he's involved. He knows. He cares. He's deeply concerned for you and loves you. So that, turn, our, turn our sights away from ourselves and onto God. You know, sometimes God has a unique way of getting our attention and turning our faces toward him, doesn't he? Does he ever do that to you? Uh, for Joseph, he did it in a pretty spectacular way. Look at what he does to get Joseph's attention. But as Joseph considered these things, you know, he was, he was trying to figure out, what am I gonna do? What should I do? Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Likely again, Gabriel, and he said, Joseph, son of David, don't fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Spirit. Joseph was thinking about it. He was focused on all the things he was facing in that moment. And you know what I bet Joseph was doing? Because we read Joseph was a good man. I'd be willing, not that I'm a big man, but I'd be willing to lay some money down to say that Joseph was praying about those things. He was praying about it. Do you, think, do you, do you pray about your, your struggles, your hurts, the things you're facing? You know, you don't have to get like super formal and fold your hands and get on your knees and say the right words. You can just talk to God. You can talk to him wherever you're at in any circumstance, even in your mind. And he hears you because he knows and he loves you. And I would imagine Joseph over and over, multiple times is, is thinking, God, help me with this. God, what do I do? God, how did this happen? And then look how God answers his prayer. He, he appears to him. Uh, he sends an angel, excuse me, to appear to him in a dream. And he answers in dramatic fashion. He says, don't fear to take Mary as your wife. Don't, don't shrink back from it, Joe. Take her, take her home. Uh, for that which is in her is, is it's from the Holy Spirit. There's not another guy, Joe. Don't sweat it. It's gonna be okay. Uh, she's telling you the truth. In fact, uh, she'll bear a son and I want you to call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. By giving uh, the name, Joseph would officially uh, accept this child as his own. It was, it was a, a claim on him to name him. And Joseph would become Jesus' daddy. Uh, do you realize though, of everything that's written about uh, the Christmas narrative in the New Testament, and everything we even read about Joseph, he never says a word in the Bible. Have you ever noticed that? He's uh, conspicuously silent, Joseph is. I mean, wouldn't he have a speaking part? Well, uh, his biggest claim to fame seems to be who he wasn't. He's not the real dad of Jesus. That's Joseph. That's his claim to fame. He was silent in the Bible, but it could be that his silence, his non-contribution, uh, as author and pastor J.D. Peabody says, is the very thing God wants us to remember. Joseph's significant role is his apparent lack of one. Peabody goes on, he writes this, he says, salvation belongs to God alone. Joseph's story reminds us, we're not the orchestrators of our rescue. The angel didn't tell Joseph, uh, here's what God wants, now go make it happen and don't screw it up. No, he said, uh, 
here's what God's doing and here's how you can be a part of it. There's a big difference there, isn't it? Joseph's not in control, God is. And invites him into the story. And do you know he does the same for us? He invites us into his story because salvation belongs to God alone. In fact, he's supposed to name this child, what? Jesus. Do you know what Jesus' name means? It means the Lord saves. Not Joseph, not you, not me. We can't save ourselves. We can't orchestrate events of our lives. God himself saves. He does it. In fact, that was, that was Jesus' name. Take you on just a little background here. Jesus' name is really the Old Testament name, Yeshua or Joshua. That's the Hebrew word. And when it got transliterated into Greek, meaning they didn't know how to really translate it, so they just made a new word that sounded like it. And they came up with Asus, that's the Greek. And then when it went from Greek into English, they're like, I'm not quite sure how to spell that or say that in English. Let's make up another word. So we're gonna call him Jesus. And that's how we ended up with Jesus. But his real name would have been Yeshua or Joshua, which is a combination of Yahweh and then the word for salvation, the Lord saves. And it was a reminder to him over and over, Joe, this isn't about you. I'm at work and I save, I alone, it belongs to me alone. Salvation's from God alone. And every time they said his name, they would have been reminded of that truth. For Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus and he will save his people from their sins, including those of Joseph and Mary. And uh, all of this, we read, took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, namely a prophet by the name of Isaiah. Here's what Isaiah said. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means, in case we didn't know, Matthew wants us to know, it means God with us. God's with us. Uh, he's with us, friends. That, that's what Emmanuel means. See, no matter what you're facing, Christmas is a reminder that almighty God is with you. He's near. That's, that's what Emmanuel means. It's, it's curious to me that so many times when you, uh, and when you look at every religion and even sometimes sadly within Christianity, you see this concept that somehow, well, God is far off and he's presented as far off and, and way out there. And, but you know, the truth is, no, he's very near. He's very near. In fact, that's what Paul says in Acts chapter 17. He says that uh, you're, you're seeking, you're reaching, you're, you're grasping after God and God's ordained all these things so that you might find him because he is near to every one of us. Acts chapter 17, verse He's near to us and he's known and to be found. And the fact that he's near to us, that God is with us, is how he can save us. Friends, this is the anchor of the Christmas story that almighty God put on flesh and became human to be with us. You know, every other religion says, if you're good enough, you might become like God. You might even become a God and then God will reward you. 
Do you know what Christianity says? You, you can, and what the Bible teaches you, you can never be good enough. So God, in his great love for you, put on flesh, became human, lived the life that you couldn't, died and paid the penalty for your sin and my sin, rose from the grave and gave you true and everlasting life so that you can be with him forever. That's the truth of the gospel. And Christmas reminds us that no matter what we're facing, God is with us. He's with us, he's with you. He's near to you. Uh, it, it reminds us of, uh, just as we close, a couple, couple things then. That Jesus, in, in God becoming human, do you know what that means? That means, number one, Jesus is, is uh, he's like us. He's not far off. He's near. He's like us. He, he knows what it's like to be human. All the things you're facing, we talked about earlier this afternoon, all the things that maybe came to your mind that are struggles, all the things Joseph and Mary were facing, Jesus faced in some way, shape, or form himself. He did. He knows what it's like. He's not far off. He's very near. And he knows your struggle too. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says, we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with us. He's not far off and totally different. No, he's one who in every respect has been tempted like we are. Do you know the only difference? He refused to sin and he never sinned. That's the only difference between Jesus' humanity and our humanity. He's, he's like us. You know, uh, let me see if I can illustrate this for you a little bit too. Do you know, if you have two pianos in the same room that are perfectly in tune with one another, you hit a note or a chord on one of those pianos, do you know the other piano will resonate that same chord? They have to be in tune with one another. Have them near one another and you just play the chord on one. Both of them are you know, in, in, it's called uh, sympathetic resonance, by the way. In many ways, that's a good way to think of Jesus being like us. That his humanity was like ours in, in every way, except that he had no sin. And so when we suffer and we struggle and we have frustration and we play that chord, and it might be an ugly chord, it resonates with him. And he knows and he cares, and he's near, he's with us. But even though Jesus is like us, he's not like us, which is also really good news. He's fully God, which means that uh, he can actually rescue us out of this. He can rescue you and save you and save me. And he does this, he came to make us like him, in other words, to give us real and true life. So friends, uh, it just kind of begs the question then, uh, how do we experience that God is with us? How can you really experience that and know that he's near? Well, you have to welcome him. Uh, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the father but through me. And in his mercy, he draws near to you and to me, but uh, he's also gracious in that he wants you to truly turn to him and welcome him in.
the question is, will, will you welcome him? That might be the question of your lifetime this Christmas, if you never have. Will you welcome him near to you, to rescue you, to sympathize with you, to save you? You know, it's a very uh, simple thing. You might think, well, Josh, yeah, but I'm kind of a mess. Like, I don't know how in the world I could clean all the junk up in my life. <laughs> like, it's, that ship has sailed long ago. Well, here's the good news. You don't have to. Religion would say, get your act together, clean it up, and then you might be acceptable to God if you can maintain that goodness that you pulled yourself up to maintain and do. The gospel says this, you can never do that. Jesus did it for you. So come to him as you are, welcome him at Christmas, welcome him into your life as your savior. You can simply admit that in prayer saying, Jesus, I've, I'm a sinner, I, I can't do this on my own, I need you. I thank you that you, you sympathize with me, I need you to rescue me, to save me, to forgive me. And if you would pray that just by faith, he would do that. And then he begins to back the truck up and help you undo all that mess and make you clean and make you new. Friends, that's the truth of Christmas, that no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, no matter what you're facing, almighty God is with you. And he longs for you to welcome him. In fact, uh, just as we close before we pray, the words of a famous Christmas carol say it well. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in be born to us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, oh, come to us, abide with us. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel. Let's pray.